0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, why you believe it, or anything like that. It's a podcast where we embrace the journey, we embrace living life on a frontier of not knowing where we are, not even knowing where we're going, but uh, exploring and discovering more about who God is and who we are in the process. My name is Nathan Whitaker and I'm Ryan Harris and today we are the we're two days before election day it's actually been more of an election season this year because (laughs) it's been an election four years (laughs) we are in COVID time this is 2020 and uh, it's a presidential election of course uh, but it is so much more than that and because of COVID and early voting, it has been going on for a long time. I voted early last month in mm. October. So,
1: Well, Missouri doesn't have early voting because, never mind, I won't say that. we will just say that it doesn't have early <laughs> voting.
0: All right. Well, for many places, uh, voting has been going on for a while. I think something uh, like 90 million people have already voted. Yeah, it's yeah. been crazy. Uh, la- uh, what was it? Was it in Pennsylvania, I think? They had more votes tallied in early voting than voted in the entire election uh, last time? Texas. 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 Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's where we are right now as we record this. Uh, we do not have the ability to really talk about this election just yet. Well, that is coming, but we wanted to, first of all, talk about politics and Christianity first. We wanted to explore not just where we've been in our history, we'll do that, but also kind of where we are now. And um, it's going to be a weird episode because, you know, there's this old adage, there's in polite company, there are two things you don't talk about religion and politics. And yeah, but
1: nobody ever accused us of being polite company. That's though. right.
0: And it's, it's such a weird thing right now. I think it's even worse than that saying. I think it's like people, especially Christians, judge folks based off of what they do politically more than theologically these days. It's really quite something. Um, well,
1: and, and as we're going to talk about, I think in a lot of ways, the, the politics has become a large part of the theology. Um, right? so yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to not really go into our personal political opinions, although they will kind of show themselves here and there. The point of this is not really to make you think things in a certain political light, although we hope that it will accomplish that somewhat. It's more just to, uh, talk about something that we don't talk about, right? We talk within politics instead of about politics in theology quite often. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: I don't think it's quite the same as what we talked about, uh, or the way we talked about racism, but kind of the same idea of there's a lot of these things that we just don't talk about, and a lot of, if not all of those things we don't talk about have been, uh, that's really harmed people, the fact that these things happen and we don't talk about them. So um, I think it's like we just, you know, for a while we weren't sure if we should do an episode like this or not. And then as things have happened, it's almost like we can't not, (laughs) you know. Um, But yeah, so like Nate said, I, I, you know, neither of us are trying to get you to vote a certain way, though in disclosure, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit left of center, I think it's fair to say. And I'm only saying that because, you know, There's no way for any of us to be unbiased, so I'm just going to admit that at the front, but even that's not the point, Um, but it would be silly of me to think that wouldn't affect any of my opinions on stuff.
0: Yeah, one of the things you have to do in your dissertation is lay out your biases, so that way people can take those into into account as you are writing your research. Yeah. And same here. Uh, We want to get our biases out there. I am also left of center, um, uh, and it will inform some of the things that I say. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, and
1: I would point out that I didn't used to be, and some of the stuff we're gonna talk about was involved in that process. So I don't know how detailed we'll get into that, but I would just say that it's all wrapped up in that thing for me, and I would suspect probably for you too.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start talking about that. What was it like growing up with uh, politics in the house and in the church? So as we've said before, so I grew
1: up, I mean, I was technically born in the 80s, but I was really aware of things in the early to mid 90s, right? Um, And even though we lived in Canada, which is very different politically um, from anything here, my parents are both Americans and stayed pretty active in that um at least in that tv and radio world even if they uh you know and they weren't i don't think they voted much in canada because in those days that was they used to be much more uptight about you know your citizenship and if you vote somewhere else it could be a problem and that kind of thing so but that being said i don't think fox news existed in those days and if it did you couldn't get it in canada but um i mean they were big rush limbaugh fans, right? That kind of gives you a, I think that sums up pretty well for you (laughs) what their political opinions were. Although my dad more than my mom, my mom's not much of a political person, but it was also, you know, the uh, setting of that time was very much the, think the culture wars of the nineties, which we've talked about a lot, but all of those things were definitely in the political, uh, stew, um, and the conservative religious stew, because those are all linked together. Um, so
0: So can you say what those are, like briefly, give a description of what those were for you as you heard them?
1: Those issues, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly abortion, right? Abortion was probably one of the biggest ones. I remember, um, I think gay marriage ended up being one but i don't think it was one in the early 90s because nobody was talking about it then i i mean i'm sure people were talking about it but in terms of it ever seeming like something that could happen in those days that wasn't really a a thing um i mean there was definitely how terrible gay people are (laughs) gross and you know undermining the moral fabric and blah 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 that kind of stuff um i think the other thing and there's other issues you know the War on Christmas stuff and all that. But I think the maybe bigger thing that kind of was over all of this was there was this sense that Christians were some kind, not only a minority, but like a persecuted one, or
0: Mm, if they're
1: not now, they will be, you know? Um, Especially
0: evangelicals, right? Right,
1: right. So like, you know, things about like uh, they'll sing a kwanzaa song in school but they won't let you sing a christmas carol i don't know if that ever actually happened somewhere but that's the kind of things that they would be upset about you know and like we talked about in the end time stuff this was all going to be part of the end and you know we're all that kind of stuff so and i guess in terms of also in that time was all of the clinton stuff right even though we were in canada i mean i that's still obviously got all around the world and was very influential because of how a lot of the opposition to Clinton and the complaining about the stuff he did was done from the so-called moral majority, you know, religious right type folks. Like it wasn't just that he lied under oath. It was that he did these gross sexual things and the president shouldn't do that. So that was very much going on too. So, I mean, that's kind of where it was all for me. I mean, you know, was it the same for you or was, you know, that same kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, when it came to politics, especially, um, it was uh, focused around culture warrior stuff. Abortion was a big one. Um, And so was protecting, I think what you said about Christians seeing themselves as a an oppressed minority, maybe that's kind of what set the groundwork for where we are now. But I remember us talking about, or not us, you know, kids weren't, uh, me hearing adults talk about how they have to do things to protect themselves. Uh Um, And a lot of that was with atheism is usually how that came up.
1: Yeah, because um, in those days that was very different than now. There was right. this idea that atheists were out to destroy your faith and you yeah. know they ta- thought all Christians were, were dumbasses, you know, that kind of the right. the Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens approach to atheism exactly. was very much what it was then.
0: Yeah, sometimes called new atheism or at least a, a branch of new atheism uh, was big. And so a lot of political stuff was around that, not necessarily targeting atheists although that was definitely the case it was more like if we if we let this happen the atheists win if Mm -hmm. we do this then the family crumbles and you know growing up a lot of that was around abortion uh but um
1: evolution was a big one too that i I was
0: trying to think Yeah, yeah i think evolution was the other really big one uh, because people would even ask politicians if they believed in evolution. Right. That was wild. Um, well, I think is wild now. At that time I didn't know.
1: Those were the days of, well, it's just a theory, because yeah, people right. didn't understand. But <laughs> yeah, like that, that um that approach kind of was uh, yeah. central to all of it.
0: And I went to college uh during the Bush years, the second Bush, and so there was a lot of um that kind of stuff uh, around the war for christmas and this was the beginning of fox news um because mm-hmm. that was um really fox news and all news channels that are going 24 hours a day that didn't happen until 911 oh, um, gosh
1: i wish we could go back to those days yeah. of
0: not 24 hour news <laughs> i remember when was it called cnn headline news i think was there all, was the only 24 hour news i think station. so I think I, that was a, a
1: little before my time of being aware i was alive but yeah yeah. I think that was the case. That was yeah. the other thing, too, is that partly because I think of the boomer generation and their weird relationship with television, like the TV was always on in my house. Yeah. And yep. often it was the on news. a news station, yep. even though nothing had happened. And, you know, I, I get a kick out of it if it weren't so terrifying. But it's just like all these people who are so-called experts about something they're probably not experts about. And they just get on TV and yell at each other for the whole segment.
0: Yeah, right. Right. Well, when 24-hour news came out, that was especially true because you had 24 hours you had to fill. And
1: Well, and, and when it did, you had nine eleven, and then we went yeah, right at, to yeah. war in Afghanistan and right. Iraq after that. And so there was uh, there was more to talk about then, I I think, or at least they convinced us there was.
0: That's where I saw a shift. It wasn't a shift away from those things because uh, abortion is still alive and well in terms of the debate. Um But it was an inclusion of xenophobia Mm -hmm. with uh, Islamophobia and more. Uh, And then that's when, um, I think it was shortly thereafter, once Islamophobia kind of hit its peak maybe, um, then gay rights and and that became part of the question. And it wasn't until, gosh, I want to say... Seminary or even graduate school, that trans rights was something that started to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's more of a really recent. Not that trans rights weren't a thing before, but right. I think it's more, I think that that has become so. Like, things are still awful if you're a gay person. <laughs> Ask me how I know. But especially for gay men, they have gotten a lot better than they used to be. Whereas in, in terms of acceptance and societal stuff, but when it comes to trans people, I think that one is still in a really rough spot and it's become much more of an issue, partly because of things that have happened in the recent past, but also because I think society is becoming more aware of trans people and having to deal with that subject in a way that they never really did before.
0: Yeah. So did you hear breaching about these kinds of things when you were growing up?
1: Um, so there wasn't a lot of preaching I heard about American political stuff, seeing as my dad was a pastor in Ontario, <laughs> right? Yeah. However, the stuff about like culture wars and atheism and um
0: evolution. I don't
1: evolution. I mean, I don't know if there was a lot of ones that were specifically about that subject, um although I remember a few. But I think it was more that I, as I remember it, it was more of that worldview of we have the truth and the evil atheists and their secular, um, you know, partners in the government are out to get us. Um, We used to have this good, I think that was the other part of it is there was this um, idea that the, uh, the good old days before Mm, um, where people were more moral and they went to church and you know, all of that stuff that that was a good time. And we've really drifted away from that and we'll just, well, we can talk about that later, but we'll leave aside the fact that that wasn't such a great time for black people. But anyway, um, but I think that idea was very much in there. So like, especially in my church world, we got to call the the nation to repentance. We got to stand up for what's right. We got to, um, you know, I remember we would, some people from our church, and I did one or two of these. I don't feel bad about it because I was like 10 or 8. It's not my fault. But we'd stand in front of a hospital that did abortions with signs, you know, okay. yeah. Um so, the sign I think the one I would always pick was that Jesus forgives. And I think some of the people had one that just said abortion kills children, you know, so, yeah. uh you know, they would call Good it conversation
0: uh, starters. Yeah.
1: I mean, we didn't have any of the horrible pictures, at least. But um so like that kind of thing was was very much a, a thing. I don't okay. know. Did like in your church did like, you know, was there preaching about the specific issues or was it more of like that? culture or worldview, like mine mostly was?
0: It was somewhere in between. I didn't really catch a lot of... like We've talked about this in the podcast. Although we had that dynamic of the church versus the world, it wasn't as pronounced as yours was. Um, We kind of assumed that more than uh, preached that. Uh, So, and we also were, like the conversation... Uh, As an adult now, the conversation has always been around maintaining nonprofit status and tax exemption and stuff. So um, there are certain things that we can't preach about because, um, you know, the lines are blurring now uh, more than they have. But I suspect that was probably part of the conversation. So we kind of did this sneaky thing where we're not going to preach anti-abortion but we'll preach pro-life and we'll right. talk about what pro-life means but we won't use that word, right? We'll we won't
1: tell that. people who to vote for but we're going to yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Or you know, so it's kind of similar to what you said but it feels different. Like Mike's and I don't know if I can really explain it. Well, I have an I have an
1: idea. I think part of it is that the Pentecostal world started as a uh, we're against the world kind of movement, right? They were, came from the holiness movement, which insisted on not being worldly because we're set apart and different. And so in that respect, at least for our theological system, it was it's a natural step to go from that to what we're talking about.
0: Well, and it's also like in uh, comparing our two systems, it's American, which ours is not. We still right. have that heritage of being German and You know, we're talking about time of Holy Roman Empire, so we're emperor. We're talking way back when. Whereas you're dealing with monarchies and all weird sorts of stuff. Whereas Pentecostals
1: have have been around at least in America for about 120 years. Right. You know. So right.
0: So we have a different. Let's say. Just a, f- a felt difference with our relationship to government. Now, there's interesting studies. Is completely aside, but it's interesting studies about how Lutherans are becoming more like evangelicals. Um, and <laughs> to which Ryan says, about, but, duh, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is just fascinating altogether. However, in our heritage, we didn't really have that, and I didn't feel it until recently i think mm. there's something just new going on in american religion american christianity and um you know that's kind of what we're unpacking here
1: yeah as we're going to talk about i think the current occupant of the white house really let a lot of that explode in different ways but um
0: yeah it was more uh on the nose you know before yeah. it was kind of like oh we got our jerry falwell's and we've got mm. our dobson's yeah. and yeah yeah. And there are culture warriors, if you will. But then, uh, even before the current occupant, it's been kind of building up to the point where it's like, let's just be unabashedly American Christians and Christian right. Republicans oh, yeah. or Democrats I or mean, whatever.
1: I mean, Trump didn't come out of a vacuum.
0: Right. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. But for growing up, um, you know, part of it makes, part of me wonders if, if it's just because I was a kid and I didn't know any better, um, that's always been the case. Like, was it really political, but I just didn't get the undertones because I'm a kid. And I, I mean, know I'm anything. sure there
1: was some of that for both of us. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it does feel like it was a different world growing up. Um, one that was trying, and this is like a problem that I'm trying to correct, actually, in a different way. Kind of felt like escapism in a way, like you go into this church building and you escape the world into mm-hmm. this justification world where you get told a narrative um, that's both true, but also both theolo- and also theological. And so, within that hour, hour and a half, or two hours, if you stay for Bible study, you kind of do that, and you don't have to do politics. So there mm. wasn't that weird. Now, nowadays, politics is so ingrained within people that they think politically first or at least primarily, right? Um, that you know, I have Bible studies now, which it's they bring up political ideas, and you're like, What? Um, Yeah, no, but yeah, so Uh, I think it was just a little different growing up.
1: The other thing I felt like I should mention before we move on was it was when I was a teenager, like. 13, 14 years old, still in Canada at this point. And there was some law that they were passing about hate speech and everybody was convinced that it meant that they'd be able to shut churches down because churches wouldn't marry gay people. And they'd say Mm -hmm. it was hate speech. And I remember like they had petitions in the church and stuff, which they normally didn't do, but they had for that one. And there was a lot of like doom and gloom of they're going to shut us down kind of thing. And I'm pretty sure that law did pass. And I, don't think they shut any churches down, but um, <laughs> but I think that was just a really good example of even in Canada, which as I said is politically a wildly different animal in terms of this stuff, there was a lot of similarities, even so.
0: Mm. Interesting, yeah, yeah. So, when did you see it change for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, 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 why. I wouldn't say it was not until Trump. I think it was before that, honestly. I think, you know, I almost wonder, I'm just thinking about this out loud. I haven't pl- plotted this out, but I almost think 9/11 might have been one of the turning points. Um partly because of how traumatic that was for the nation and f- I mean, for a lot of the world, but for Americans and um and as you said, that really, I don't think it started it, but that really um, elevated the Islamophobia to a mm-hmm. thing. And, and there was this idea that, you know, I mean, I remember hearing about, I don't know if this was in the church, probably on the news, probably on Fox News or something. But, you know, the Muslims are coming to behead the Christians kind of mm-hmm. awful stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I think that thinking back on it now i think that might have been for me where i don't think i noticed at the time but in retrospect i think that might have been one of might have been the winchpin when things started changing because then you also had um uh that bush uh did a lot of things about faith-based programs that the government supported and yeah. uh, made a big show of his faith in god and i I just I don't know if it's real or not. I just said it that way because he it was a very central part of his um, not just approach to governing but his argument for reelection and and all kinds of stuff like that was when uh, like you really saw the evangelical vote. I mean that was around long before that, but that was something they like openly acknowledged they were going for and credited with one of the things that credited. They credited with him winning for you know so i think um in 2004 i mean but i mm-hmm. think i think 9 11 is probably the the linchpin as far as i can see
0: yeah i i think so too i like so when did you see it for yourself like that's hindsight when did you start experiencing it yourself
1: yeah um in terms of when, so I mean, I was very much on board with all this stuff, right? I, I thought, God, don't hold this against me, but I thought Rush Limbaugh was the most brilliant person in the world, and <laughs> I was brainwashed. It's not my fault. Um, and you know, I was in on board with that stuff. Uh, colleges were going to ruin your faith. Evolution was a joke. You know, all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I think it started to change for me when I. I think it mostly started changing when I, probably in seminary, so first round of grad school, right? And Mm, it started to change when I admitted I was gay, (laughs) because I mean, like to myself, um, because that will tend to change your worldview, especially since gay things, LGBTQ stuff was a huge part of the evil of the left, right? Um, So that right there made me question a lot of that. But I also think uh, it was not that long after that, that I moved out of my, like I wasn't living with family anymore. And while I was never poor in the sense that I knew I could always get something if I needed from my family in terms of if I ran out of money or something, but all of a sudden I had to pay for everything and I was poor, right? It was this idea of, well, I need a haircut and I need an oil change. I can only do one this week. So the hair will wait kind of stuff, you know? And so, um, you know, and then I, I ended up going to a tent city for people who don't have a home here in St. Louis in the winter. And like just a lot of stuff like that, where I saw that my fun, some of my fundamental assumptions about how the world worked about how responsible people were for their own lives. Um, really started to shift especially since i realized one day <laughs> here i am saying i'm a conservative and i've gotten through all this school with government loans and family charity <laughs> you know <laughs> right like it just yeah. it, it didn't line up anymore um, there's yeah. more to it than that but i think that right. was really when it started
0: yeah i think for me it was uh noticing 911 and then noticing how quickly we uh moved away from 911 uh the the atmosphere I think there's a myth that, you know, there's kumbaya during 9-11 and all that. But certainly Mm -hmm. was a bit tamer Mm -hmm. um, than what preceded and what came after that period of time. And uh, I think I started, so I was in college for Bush 2, his second term. And I think I started to feel it there. Although, and I was somebody who was fighting. I even uh, since we're you know saying some things that we're not proud of. I have even argued with somebody that said I said Bush uh, the second Bush would be seen as one of the greatest presidents. Oh of the God! Era.
1: Well, comparatively speaking, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was in the same spot. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, that's kind of where I was. I did notice the shift. Uh, Really, it was his second term. Um, I think I really started to see that. But then, where it started to become more impactful was actually Obama's uh, election. Uh, it was up until that. The Republicans, how they were talking, were just, uh, it was interesting to me. Like the way that they were talking was you had Mike Huckabee, who was the one I was actually voting for.
1: (laughs) I I Um, liked him in those days, too. Please don't hold it against me. I didn't know better. He seemed
0: like really even keel. And then after that, he turned out to be
1: quite the opposite. But,
0: But, you know, a pastor running for the president, that's fascinating, right? That kind of changes things a little bit.
1: When there was a time when people thought he might have had a chance. Turns out he didn't. But in those early primaries at that point, they thought he might
0: yeah and I started to notice the rhetoric was kind of interesting. And really, between the candidates, there wasn't too much difference. It was just like what what elevates each candidate for me personally? Mm-hmm. And it became faith, and mm-hmm. that's why I voted for uh, in the primary for Huckabee. Um, and then, of course, I just voted party line. Uh, right. That year,
1: because for me, it was mostly because of abortion more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was I mean, I I bought into this idea that the quote left was out to ruin everybody's lives and spiritual lives and all that. But I also for me is like in those days, I said, I could never vote for a Democrat. They support killing babies. And I I thought of it that way then. Um, And so I, too, was very much a single issue person because of that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting you bring that up because um, that was definitely me too. I would probably lie and say it was more than that. Um, But I remember the changing point for me was I. it was during Obama's first term and I just noticed all these Republicans going hard on abortion, -abortion anti-abortion stuff. And I would listen to news talk, radio, um, yeah. NPR, but I would also listen to uh, Christian uh, stuff and- Oh boy. Yeah, now like uh, yeah. bot radio network. Oh. And uh, there's a Catholic channel on Sirius XM and I would listen to that. And the morning show there, the guy's a very conservative boomer. And so it was always, always, always about abortion. And I thought to myself, at that time, this is just the starting point of how I started to see things differently. What what have these people been doing to actually stop abortion from mm. being a reality? Mm. Like, what have they actually been doing? Because you could take that on any level. So so you vote, and now your conscience is clear because you voted for an anti-abortion, or at least somebody who's not actively going for abortion stuff. And now you feel good because... Well,
1: especially since none of those people ever made any significant yeah. changes. So you
0: go all the way up and you say, wait a second, we had a prime time where we had the House, the Senate, and the presidency, or at least two of the three. I can't remember all There of them. was a
1: time when they're, uh, I think in his first term, was there was a time Earth? when they
0: had all three. Yeah. So why not just make it, why not just make a law that says it's not? I know it's Roe v. Wade and all that, but do something. You got right. the power, so make it happen. Didn't.
1: Yeah, they never they never really did much of anything. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: And then I started to see, you know, a lot of people who vote anti-abortion. Um, they don't they don't do anything in their personal lives either. Mm. It's like, so what are you doing to make abortion less attractive for people? Are you going and helping out? Are you Going to even as much as I wouldn't want that now, even doing the stuff like those marches that you did in front of no most people don't do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I uh and then I remember like so it started to see that, and then we read that book in that class uh that had that chapter on the pro-life movement, wherein it talked about (laughs) you can't be pro-life and be against all of the myriad things that would help someone decide to not have an abortion. Yeah, you know? And um, it, it really kind of showed it as it makes it seem like it's more virtue signaling than than anything else. You know, yeah. and, and as much as I wanted to reject that argument because I was in those days an ardently pro-life person, I said, well, shit. I mean, that's true. Turns out we've been holding signs, you know, that run the spectrum from not so terrible to absolutely abhorrent for probably 40 years or whatever since Roe v. Wade and nothing has changed. Not a thing. Right. You know,
0: and what was that book? Was that the, what would Jesus deconstruct?
1: Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. It's
0: a great book, folks. You got to read it. It's fantastic. uh,
1: The other thing I think, if you have more to say about abortion, that's fine. I was, I was just going to say one thing I also noticed, even though I couldn't vote for Obama in those days because of the abortion thing. um, Even then I noticed the way that Republicans were, being against Obama was different than the way they yeah. were against, well, let's be honest, white people, right? I remember Rush Limbaugh used to do these parody songs and he had one called Barack the Magic Negro, which was set to the tune of Puff the Magic Dragon, you know? And he claimed it was from some, you know, newspaper story, so it was okay because he was just, you know, but it wasn't. I mean, it was just racism is all right. it was. Right. And... Um, Like there was something very different about it, and even if I couldn't have admitted it in those days, I'm sorry, but there was a gigantic racial component to it. It wasn't just that they thought he was a they. they, Well, they said they thought he was a Marxist. Whether they thought he was or not, I don't know. But that was, I think, a lot of times their cover for saying, "Yeah, but he's black." Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think there was definitely something different, and you know, I think it'll take my lifetime to just. Settle where I am on that because I wonder the Marxism and that if that's just not code language for even leftism, is it not code for xenophobia, racism, all that kind of stuff? I wonder, but these,
1: these days it seems like it's often a, a racist dog whistle, even if that's not always what it is every time. Yeah. But like you hear people, conservative white folks, talk about the um, talk about Black Lives Matter as some kind of Marxist movement. Yeah. And it's not, but he, you know, even if it was, it's like, yeah, but what are we really saying here? Right. Yeah. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. Especially now that I don't think most people would actually know what Marxism is. <laughs> <I don't think laughs> it's they bad. Do. Yeah. Well, you know, for them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, I don't, I, yeah, that's what, that's what I mean is they've been taught Marxism bad.
0: So, well, and that's, there's some history there too. We don't need to go into that. That's Maybe not we'll really the point another time. Yeah. But, um, yeah so that's kind of how I changed. I think that's all true. I noticed that with Obama too um, I don't remember to be quite honest. I remember not voting for Obama the first time. I don't remember the second time I
1: uh, I did I did not vote for Obama the first time in the second time since we're being honest here today um, I uh I think I voted for the libertarian not because I'm a libertarian but because I couldn't vote for Obama in those days and because I just Mitt Romney just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, he just Romney, yeah. pretending okay. to be man of the people when he has a car elevator in his garage, <laughs> you know. And it's just like, dude, we all know you're rich. You don't got to you don't pretend like you know what it's like to be me. You don't. Yeah. And that's yeah. fine. Just anyway. So, yeah.
0: How do you think the church was um operating politically like how did that conversation between those two politics and uh faith life congregational life whatever it might be how was that changing
1: well it seems like and you can trace this much further back than our lives um but that at least in the evangelical world and i think in terms of what we're talking about probably yours too but you can you can say whether or not that's right um the conservative Christian world wasn't just conservative theologically, but became honestly enmeshed with the Republican Party, right? Because of things like abortion and gay marriage and all that other stuff, um, the culture wars, the uh, Republicans keyed into the fact that they could use that to make a voting block for themselves. I mean, honestly, that goes back much further. That actually started, you know, they say it started with abortion, done a little research, it turns out it was actually about segregation when that started, right? Yeah. So right. Jerry Falwell Sr. had a um, had a uh, private school that did not admit Black people. And this was after um, Brown v. Board of Education when they said you couldn't do that. And so they, I think the federal government finally sued him over it and all this kind of stuff. And honestly, before that, the uh, most evangelical Christians saw abortion as quote, a Catholic issue. Like even to the point of at one point, the president of the Southern Baptist convention um, talked about how abortion is not a sin. And he's always thought that the mother's life is the one that's paramount until the baby is born. I mean, like it was just radically different. Yeah, And honestly, I think what changed was they realized they couldn't say it was about segregation anymore. And so then abortion and later gay marriage got to be the, Anyway, I just glossed through lots of history that's worth reading about that I don't think we have time for today. But um, what I'm trying to say with all that is, looking back on it, and certainly today, I see the the I almost said Confederate. Whoops, the uh, conservative <laughs> Christian world. Um, Freud. <laughs> yeah, became very much almost a religious arm of the Republican Party. Maybe not the almost, I mean, I really think that's what happened.
0: Yeah. I can't think of like, you look at the statistics, evangelicals didn't vote for Democrats on mass. I mean, it was a percentage, what, like 10, 12%. I mean,
1: like, and then this last time around, it was something like almost 90% voted for, you know, um, whatever his name, Trump, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot more nuance that could be put there, but in terms of what we're doing, what I saw was um, Christians became identified with Republicans, uh, at least in the U S anyway.
0: Yeah. and especially in the Midwest of mm-hmm. the U S or well the, in the South. Well, yeah, but our experience was, yes, within, yes, was just, yeah. um midwestern states or mid-eastern states, I guess uh, yeah. that whole middle section. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I would say I think I fail the same. I think I saw the same. Um, I started to see uh, there was the rise of that single issue vote Mm -hmm. argument. Yeah. Uh, That was big. Like, people didn't do that for a while, right? They voted for platforms. and. Then all of a sudden, uh, in my college years and a little bit after that, it's still around, but it's not as heavily trafficked as it was before, at least in the things that I listen to. there was that whole, well, if you vote for abortion, then your conscience is clear or right. vote you know, against abortion, vote right. for somebody who's going to fight it, even though they never do. And It
1: was always presented as like, this is really the only thing you can vote yeah. for. Because, because they're killing babies. Exactly. I mean, yeah. if that's what they said. And I believed that in those days. So, I mean, that's why I was right. like, well, what else could I do?
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear more about like or read more about the single issue voter and how that history has been um but because of that, at least because of the the strength that that had with people that I knew and that I listened to, it was very easy to become a Republican and be a Christian. It's yeah. it's very hard to be a Democrat and a Christian in a lot of uh in a lot of my life's experiences because you would have to prove that you were anti-abortion or that you you weren't killing babies to be as divisive in rhetoric as possible while voting for a Democratic or a Democrat um, candidate.
1: Right, and also it was abortion, but it was also presented as, well, Democrats are trying to get rid of the family because they right. want to let gay right. people adopt children or they, are, they don't think that... Um, you know, uh, they're, they're fine with single parents or whatever it is, you know, or they support welfare, which again, another racist dog whistle, but, um, you know, which is also bad because it
0: handouts,
1: handout. you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, right. And so it was like in my mind and in the world I was in, you couldn't be a Christian and a Democrat because there's no way you can be a Christian and support any of those things, let alone all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that a lot. And then let's talk about, because our experience was, of course, in conservative Christianity. um, And yet, at the same time, there's another track going on where there were a lot of Democrats that were in more liberal or progressive churches. Yeah, but Um, I didn't really know anything about them.
1: Yeah, but how did
0: people people you knew talk about that?
1: I don't remember talking about it much, partly because we didn't know a lot about mainline Protestants okay. <laughs> other than okay. they were, you know, Wrong. dead churches where the spirit wasn't, um, sort of a joke, but not really. Uh, <laughs> and so like, I, I don't remember knowing much about liberal Christians other than like, I didn't know the words liberation theology in those days, but I knew like, the only thing I knew was that often black Christians were Democrats. Um, is really the only thing I knew of about any significant group of Christians that were also generally Democrats. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't think I really, I was very ignorant of all of that in those days.
0: Okay. For us, it was, uh, that was the influence of secularism. So we had that kind of conversation, not necessarily us versus the world, but secularism versus Christianity. And that was huge, right? That goes with the atheism stuff. Um, So left church, leftist churches were seen as more influenced by secularism than they were uh, anything religious, anything Jesus said or whatever. And so you saw this uh, in, especially when it came to gay rights, because Mm -hmm. if a leftist church... Um, was around, of course, they would, uh, according to the law that was allowed at that time or whatever, they would marry um, gay couples. And that was seen as wrong, of course, by most conservatives. But to explain it politically, it was always like, well, they're taking their marching orders from the left or Uh from secular ideas or this, that, or the other. And it was this interesting way of like, saying they're corrupt Christians or they're... They've been uh, co-opted, unqueen. yeah. Yeah, mm. co-opted and just really interesting. So there's like this conversation between... Uh, and this is where I get that whole right versus wrong thing and why it's so glib sometimes, because um people really did think that there was a right way to be a Christian and a wrong way, and politically... That meant you have to be a conservative. You have to be a Republican.
1: Yes. I mean, I think if I had known about that in more detail, I think they would have been characterized in the same way that you're describing, right? Um they those people aren't Christians, kind of idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we have we have a more liberal church body that is our antithesis, if you will. You've got and, a
1: boogeyman that's much yeah. more uh um <laughs> apparent and present for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which again has changed too, because it's not as prevalent as it once was, but uh, I think it's all because that political secularism and that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. So generally I think both of us would say uh, religion and Republicanism kind of came together for most conservative Christians
1: Kind of. I think it did.
0: Yes. <laughs> at least
1: in our experience. Anyway, if my experience, it, it definitely did. Yeah.
0: So what do you make of that? What do you think of that? What do you, what do you do with that reality? Gosh, where do I even start? Yeah. <laughs> what
1: where do I do do even first? say at this point? You know, um, because uh, we don't have to go into detail on this, but one thing I, I also have noticed is that, where we are today with all this stuff is like all of this on steroids, right? Like, I mean, we're so far past liberal Christians are bad. Like, yeah, you know, right. um, what do I say oh, no. to this? Yeah. What do I say to this? Gosh. Well, I think I really, really worry about this idea of basically a theocratic state is really what i would nobody said those words right but that's i mean i remember them talking about wouldn't it be great if we just had a christian government you know and and they always thought that the establishment clause you know the separation of church and state was the worst thing ever and like all that kind of stuff and we should be able to pray in the schools again and all of it Mm -hmm. and i look at that now and i go no 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 no. (laughs) we don't want that at all right like um I do not think it would ever be a good thing. I mean, gosh, Israel couldn't make a theocracy work and God was in charge. Right. So we really think we'd, we'd do okay with that. Um,
0: Yeah. We're American. We're we're
1: American Christians. We'll do it better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think, I think that was part of it. I think also what I started to realize was as much as these people would preach about religious freedom, what they really meant was Christian freedom. We've talked about that before too. Yeah. You know, it's a, what they meant was we can do anything we want with Christianity, but if the satanic temple wants to put a statue up somewhere, well, we gotta, we gotta cut that shit out, right. You know, nip it right in the bud. That's evil kind of thing. Um, it really became apparent that what they meant was uh, not freedom of religion, but um, unfettered <laughs> Christianity in, in society. Yeah.
0: Um, Makes me think like, so how would you define a theocracy? I think. In my lifetime, it has shifted. And this is just like raw. It's what I'm thinking right now. It shifted from a civic theocracy, which is where you get like atheists can't have things right. out for nativities mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, to a more uh, explicitly political theocracy in my lifetime.
1: Although it's it's interesting because... Where we're at right now, it's. I don't think anybody truly thinks that Donald Trump is some kind of Christian um, would be some kind of righteous Christian leader. I mean, I guess some people have convinced themselves of crazy things, but by and large, I think it's more that they think he protects them and 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 uh, you know that kind of thing than that than they actually think that Donald Trump is going to usher in some kind of religious awakening. Well. At least I hope right. so it's yeah. really hard to know um <laughs> but uh so I mean like I think maybe even more than the theocracy part is that this idea that Christianity or the church in our in America anyway should be so incestuously linked with any political anything to me just seems like a terrible idea like honestly as much as I'm a I'm a about seizing the means of production these days, I'm joking. Um, I would Marker. not think, yeah, it would not be good if the church was incestuously linked with the democratic party either. I think that when we do that kind of thing, we are ignoring a lot of what Jesus said <laughs> about, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, you know, and they say, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, Nope, not what I'm here for friends, you know, and, and, right. Because uh, they, that, everyone out, <laughs> you know, they wanted him to overthrow the Romans and they totally missed the point of his ministry and, and all that. And so, yeah, I think, I think my problem is even if I still believed in all of their positions on those culture war moral issues, so to speak, I just don't think that this is the way that would be the right way for the church to engage those things, you know, It's not saying that Christians shouldn't vote or that we have to be Amish and not like totally separate ourselves from society. But this idea that we have to accomplish this stuff through legislation and government seems so back ass words to me. (laughs) You know, like it just like we've tried that so many times and it's never worked ever. I mean, prohibition is yeah. a great example of we were going to do this because it's, you know, uh, the, the holiness folks were a big driver behind some of that. And it's the reason why we have organized crime. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and it stopped literally no one from drinking. So, um, in fact, it made a lot of people very rich. So, yeah, I think that's kind of a one problem I have with it.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, that cuts to the heart of where I'm thinking, which is... Okay. So we've got a marriage between a political party and a segment of Christians thinking that the only way you can be a real Christian is voting for that party period, that that party candidates or whatever that party was, whatever that means. Yeah, Yeah. Whatever it was. Happens to be Republicans for our context and our day right now.
1: For a lot of historical reasons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's where my struggle is, right? So I think... I don't like that either. No doubt. Uh, I struggle with people who say things that are blatantly political without any theological or or really any good depth to them at all Mm -hmm. within church settings or within faith conversations. It, It drives me crazy. At the same time, here's what I'm struggling with. Like, so what's Paul, what are politics for? What, what are we use them for? Uh, Ryan and I talked a little bit before we started recording and it's a question that I think is harder to answer than we usually give it credit for. What does it mean to be in a, a Christian in a democracy? Hmm. Um, the answer that we usually come up with is we kind of go to Romans 14, I think. 13, uh, yeah. 13, yeah, yeah, where we listen to authorities. And that's kind of a carte blanche answer, at right. least the way that I hear it is. Well, authorities well,
1: that aren't Obama, anyway.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's got problems, right? So, yeah. but still, it's still carte blanche, which is you have to do things that are basic to the American character of uh, political awareness and... I mean, how many sermons have I heard? And and Lutherans are not terribly political compared to evangelicals, but I've heard tons of sermons about prepare yourself for the vote. Make sure you listen and pay attention. Make sure you know what you believe and what Jesus says and all that. And Ironically enough. Yeah. But that's a, a, a terribly political and American political sermon, right? right? Because it's hitting a foundation of what it means to be American uh, in terms of democracy. Right. Right. Jesus didn't say anything about. Neither did Paul, because neither one of them have any concept of what democracy means in the American sense. Well,
1: unless they had some concept of the Athenian democracy, I don't know. But I mean, they certainly don't have one in terms of what like we do, the American one. I yeah, mean, no, they
0: have had some. I,
1: I don't know. Maybe not. I'd have to ask somebody. But um, I think, by and large, you're correct. They, even if they'd heard of it, that is not at all what they were talking about.
0: Right. And so it's that's why it's tricky, right? I think it's trickier than we, at least in my experiences, my observations, it's trickier than we give it credit for.
1: Well, especially since a lot of the fundamental assumptions of American democracy are problematic when applied to uh, the... Certainly the evangelical approach. Well, I mean, the Christian faith, honestly, let's say it that way. And what I mean is American democracy depends pretty heavily on individualism, which in terms of American individualism, that's a tough sell when you try to yeah. line that up with what, right. say, Jesus or Paul or any of them teach, you know, yeah. um, that that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's tough capitalism.
0: And right. I'm, I'm not. A, I mean, we don't need to go into anti-capitalism or all that, but Though I just, could <laughs> just recognizing that uh, there are intrinsic ways of living as an American that rely on capitalism that would have been completely foreign to Jesus and Paul. Right. Um, So,
1: putting aside any of these things, like I said, that seem antithetical, because people will argue about that, but at the very least, we have to admit that we're on totally new ground here, because the kind of questions we're asking weren't asked by Jesus or Paul or early Christians.
0: They just weren't. Yes, absolutely. And with that foundation, here's the real question, and I've already said it, but let's recast it how do you live as a Christian in an American de- democracy like we have? Because part of me wants to, uh, part of me realizes that government can be used to produce good things, especially loosening oppression. And uh, especially when we're talking about good things, helping and protecting people mm-hmm. like the government did a mask order in my state when, my state, people generally resist that. But if you go to a store now, after you know trial and error and certain times where people were doing that, other not. But today, you go into the store, everyone's wearing a mask. Right um, now, it's—I don't want to bring up the whole mask thing, but it's just showing, at least from my perspective, how the government can do something good by producing a mandate as an order that you have to wear a mask
1: well and the government has the ability to do things like responding to natural disasters in a way that nobody else is equipped to do right right the government uh things like unemployment and food stamps and these kinds of things right like especially for people some certain people like that is a very good very necessary thing that nobody else is doing
0: right yeah Um, exactly
1: but i think one thing you're bringing up there is like we as Christians have dual citizenship, right? We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I hope, hopefully that's first, but mm-hmm. we're also citizens of wherever we are. And in our context, that's we're American citizens, right? We are part of this society and we have a government and it's set up the way it is and it runs the way it does. So it seems like the question we're trying to play with is, so how do you live as that kind of dual citizen um, as a kingdom, as part of the kingdom of heaven, but also you are subject to the kingdom of earth where you are, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and and so let me go into a little preaching mode. This is, I think, where Jesus is. um show me the coin comes from where he he's oh, yeah. asked who, who should pay taxes or should we pay taxes to Caesar? Yeah. So th- this is where Jesus is asked by the Pharisees and actual Roman officials are there too. Uh, should you pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's, putting the question back on them and saying, well, are you saying there's things that are belong to Caesar that don't belong to God? And prioritizing or reprioritizing the um, the citizenship, to use your language. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the way forward thinking about a solution to this question, if there is such a thing, is to say that the kingdom of God includes our citizenship in the American citizen or American kingdom, if you will.
1: Well, we're all citizens somewhere of something. Right, right. Know? That's just yeah. how human society works. Um, we're part of a
0: nation, a tribe,
1: a, you know, whatever it is, we're all part of something. Um,
0: so one of the questions, so that focuses a little bit for me. Um, and let me ask the question a bit differently. Um, knowing this dual citizenship, knowing that God's kingdom is above man's kingdom, if you will, or the American kingdom, whatever it is. Um, Well, I'm not sure everybody knows that, but I'm with you. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. So then the question comes not how can you be an American citizen in God's kingdom, but how can you be a Christian in America? And I think what that does is it kind of switches it around. And this is kind of where I am. I don't know if we need to go here yet, but I'm thinking more like, okay, so where are are my priorities? Are my priorities on maintaining the things that make America work the way that I inherited it, the way that it's supposed to, or whatever? Or am I to vote? Am I to live in this kingdom in the way that God says to do things in such a way? Because I think what ends up happening is a lot of people go to scripture, especially the conservative Christians that I know. I know other Christians do this too. They go to scripture, they go to Jesus, to looking for him to confirm what they already believe politically, instead of starting with what Jesus says and then seeing how politically they need to live Mm. accordingly.
1: Yeah, I wonder, and you know, as we always are, we're just talking this out. This is, you know, we don't plan this out ahead of time. So sometimes I may even abandon ship halfway through the thing. <laughs> but I wonder if like so many things, we've um, hopelessly overcomplicated something that didn't need to be complicated. Now it may be hard, but it I don't know that it's like complicated. And what I, yeah. what I mean is, it seems like whatever we're a citizen of, the gospel has requirements for Christians. So being a Christian requires certain things that are true wherever you are, but are certainly true in America. Right. And what I think is, I mean, we could, I'm not going to go through the whole dogma of a church here, but let's just take one I think is the central one. Right. Cause Jesus said the whole law hinges on loving God and loving others. Right. Yeah. Right. So I really think that the central part of being a Christian is loving God, but then is our duty to the other, whoever that other may be. And, you know, it seems to me like a lot of us or, uh, I don't know, a lot of us who are Christians and certainly a lot of people in the conservative world have abdicated their, their responsibility to the other because they say either someone else is going to do it or the government's going to do it or, well, that's the wrong way to put it, but because they don't. The
0: other doesn't deserve it.
1: Right, exactly, right? And and even if that's true, it's not. But even if it's true, you're supposed to help them anyway. Right. Um,
0: but I think good Samaritan for the right, people, right. Think, yeah. imagine
1: if the Good Samaritan had come along and said, well, i I wonder what he did to deserve it and left him in yeah. the ditch, you know I
0: said that in a sermon once yeah. that shocked a lot of people. I said, what if because uh, I'm sure the Rabbi and the priest or whatever they did is like what were they what was he doing at that hour of the night yeah, I mean, crime's really bad him.
1: here. What did he expect? Yeah, right? what was he expecting so but i think I think that's a central part of it, like I think maybe the reason Jesus can say his kingdom is not of this world is not because, I mean, even in Jesus's thing about give to Caesar, what is Caesar's he recognizes that humans have government that are, that are just that. Right. And it's not that he's like, hooray. He's just like, that's just how you humans, we humans, sorry, (laughs) work things (laughs) out, you know? And um, I think if your duty is to the other, then that means you help them on an individual basis, it means you get the church to help them. It means when the government can help, you're all for that, right? Like it means you put <laughs> it means you think there's something more important than your damn paycheck um when it comes to certainly how you vote, but everything else. Like I guess what I'm trying to say is we've we've uh abdicated isn't the right word, but we've um we've given that responsibility that is in, is on us and we've put it somewhere else because, well, we don't know how, or it's hard, or it makes us admit things about ourselves that we don't like, <laughs> you know, it caught it. It requires us to sacrifice of our money, our time, our gifts, our, um, whatever, whatever idols we have, you know, all this stuff. Like, I wonder if maybe we've made it seem harder that well, seem more complex than it is. Cause I'm certainly not saying it's not hard. It's hard, but I don't know if it's as complex as we've made it.
0: Well, the deck is kind of stacked against us as Americans because who are Christians, because we're told through our history, through all the stuff that we deserve what mm. we have, that we've we deserve. earned it. Yeah. That we earn it. Right. So there's like this, um, what do you want to say, a triumphalism? There is a... Well, that American dream idea. Yeah, the American dream. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you earned this, you
1: built it, you got rich because you worked hard, that kind of stuff.
0: So, uh, although I am certainly one to want to go deeper into more reasons, especially emotional, psychological reasons why we don't do things, I think we first need to recognize the reality is that In America, you don't have to take care of other people because the system isn't designed for that. It's not designed to do that first. And
1: if you're one of those people, America is set up in such a way that you very rarely encounter people who aren't in the same situation as you are. You know, we live in the suburbs, and so we don't see people who aren't like us very much, depending on where you are, of course. But, um, we keep things so separate and like, gosh, even in fairly liberal areas, they'll vote against things like uh public transportation expansions because they don't, they're all about helping the poor until they're in their neighborhood, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of idea is its easy for us to ignore the plight of others because we don't experience it.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. Like we have this weird proclivity to take care of ourselves as human beings. And that makes sense, right? It makes sense uh, in every sense of the word, <laughs> to use the word sense too often. Uh, it, it, I understand it. At the same time, being an American citizen who happens to be a Christian should actually be the other way around. A Christian who happens to be an American citizen and sees themselves as the way that God sees them and sees others the way that God sees them.
1: Well, and I hate to quote Jesus here. (laughs) No, you don't. No, I don't. But Jesus wasn't one for self-preservation. He wasn't one for safety. He wasn't one for thinking of himself. I mean, I don't even know if I need to say more about that. But like... Jesus did the very opposite. He he died for others, right? And told us, if you want, you know, follow, pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. Like right. those two things were uh, required to follow Jesus. Yeah. You got to deny yourself and pick up your cross. And the cross wasn't a decoration, right? It was to die on. So yeah. I just, um, I think that's, that's one of those things where it's like, this is something we've gotten fundamentally wrong. And I think you're right that, this our culture in our American culture I mean has inculcated these ideas in us, this idea that uh, you know individualism, I earned it, I whatever it is. Um, and that makes it much harder in some ways for us to take the gospel seriously because we've convinced ourselves it doesn't mean what it says I think yeah,
0: right right. Well, and uh, to add that like that last little piece, I will first give a disclaimer. I actually do believe you can be a Republican or a Democrat as a Christian. I think there are problems with both sides. And I'm at. we'll talk about this in our next one. Uh, I think this election is really unique. Well, I was going to um, say,
1: four years ago, I'd be much more on board with you than yeah, now. But right. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll
0: talk about that another time. I, I think that you can be fundamentally a Republican, maybe not what a Republican, let's say it differently, fundamentally a conservative or a liberal, let's say it like that. Maybe not the parties, because the parties are always in flux and so forth. Because I think you could be a conservative and say, you know, the best way I can take care of other people is loosening restrictions on capital that I have and others like me have, so that then I can put them to places that really... Do the work. Now, that would require a holistic approach to life in the kingdom of God, right? Which
1: isn't happening.
0: Which isn't happening, certainly. And, you know, part of me is like saying, you know, I'm getting anxious because I'm like, no, this is the kind of stuff I speak against because it doesn't happen. But theoretically, I'm okay with that if there's that progress, if there's that movement there. Uh, Same with uh, believing that the government can do that, because I think the government has some power to be able to do some things that even charities and local groups cannot do. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's I think there's that little caveat there. But what you brought about is not only is the American system problematic in general, but to bring this to our conversation we were having about conservative Christianity, we've actually convinced people um, that if they vote a different way than Republicanism that they are not being a Christian, Mm -hmm. which is shockingly and awful, shockingly awful at the same time. It just, Mm -hmm. it blows my mind because uh, that is not putting the kingdom first. That is putting America first.
1: Well, I mean, America first is very much the cause du jour of the, well, maybe it has been for a long time, but certainly today of the, Right. Right. Um Yeah. And I think, right, like we've said is like, I mean, some people might, but you and I aren't saying burn America to the ground because, you know, any of that. Although I think we do admit that there are some serious fundamental problems, but that's not really what we're saying. But this idea of America first is like, well, n- no, actually, <laughs> like, I-, I think, I think what A lot of this is for me is that it's one thing to say you believe in certain tax policies, or it's one thing to say you believe in uh, kind of government structures or any of that stuff. But what I've seen growing up, and especially right now, I think it's in my lifetime, it's the worst it's been right now, is that I don't really care about that stuff. What I see is these ideas and these policies, policies being used to hurt and oppress people. Right. It's like what I see is uh, talking about, um, you know, uh, the moral majority supporting the grabber by the pussy candidate. Uh, This is and it's like it's this idea that like, uh, you know, these 500 Mexican or Central American children have been stolen from their parents, maybe never to be reunited. And that's somehow a good thing. Like whatever you believe about immigration, that is evil. And I think what makes me so frustrated and angry and sometimes despair is that Christian people look at that stuff. And like I said, we're not talking about tax policy. We're not talking about immigration policy even. What we're talking about is people doing evil things to other people. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that that's what Jesus would want. I'm sorry, but Jesus would not build a wall. He just wouldn't, you know? Like I I saw, I mean, it was, I mean, this was some crazy person, so I'm not trying to say everybody does this, but I saw this woman one time on, I think she was at the RNC one year and they interviewed her and she said she was a Christian and she was talking about how, well, if we don't build the wall, we'll just have to station guards. And as people come towards our country, we'll just shoot them. Right. And it's just like, okay, she's a Yahoo. fine. Fine. But that's not that far from a lot of the stuff I hear Christians saying. And I guess all I'm asking for is, can we take Jesus seriously when he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself," even if their skin color is different, <laughs> or they were born in a different geographic location than you,
0: you know, like, or they have different beliefs, or so they, yeah, yeah, you know, like that's that's what they I vote mean. differently than you
1: do, right? You're still supposed Goodness. to. I mean, I mean, Jesus even said, "Crazy man that he is," to love your enemies. So like even if the left are these terrible demons you've made them out to be you're still not supposed to fight them you're supposed to love them. Yeah. Right? I I don't know like it's just it, this is what I mean when I say we've convinced ourselves that the gospel doesn't mean what it says and not because I think that if the democrats are in charge then we live in some kind of christian utopia because we don't. <laughs> we wouldn't. It's not about policy, it's about people. And yeah. I think that's what has so been so totally ignored and um, diminished and uh, fallen by the wayside in a
0: lot of this. So here's something I'm curious about. And, you know, it's an unfair question because you can't get into people's heads. It's
1: our podcast. I don't care.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Why? Why do you think people have done that? Mm -hmm. Why do you think people have See, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we've talked about this here and there. In fact, we do need to make an episode on this and be a more theological one, which is different than what we're doing now. But I think that people fundamentally just do not get the gospel. They do not get it. Well, we because we it do doesn't make
1: sense it. right. It, it is doesn't so make anti sense. every natural impulse that we have.
0: It does. It says that you were to put everything, including your life, on the line. Right? No one has love than this, and we yeah. turn that into just being Jesus. But He's saying it. He's yeah. like, and uh, go and do this. Nobody
1: um, naturally of themselves um, thinks of others better
0: than themselves. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that theologically, what's happening is there's this disconnect. Right? We're told that we're loved so much. And it's wonderful to hear that we're loved so much that somebody would die for us and so on and so forth. Yeah, the disconnect comes of Jesus then saying, okay, the way that I've lived and loved you, lived for and loved you, you do for other people, right? That's what he says in Matthew 28. And Go out and do that now, folks. That's what you do as disciples. We have this fundamental problem. And my heritage would say that we have become people of the law rather than people of the gospel and that we have been much more interested uh, as conservative Christians have been come more much more interested in making sure that the law comes first and as as we see it yeah as we see it I think that that actually does tie into the why here's where it is and I'm doing gymnastics to get here but I think it's appropriate See, conservative Christians have been taught for a long time that repentance—I'm sorry—that uh, forgiveness comes with strings attached. Mm. That that forgiveness is not something that's given. That's why we can't fundamentally get it because we have to put something to it, right? We have to put in a. So- I'm sorry, we have to put good actions. We have to can't do, do more, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or as Lutherans, we have to do good uh, repentance in our confession and absolution. I know pr- repentance is part of your story, but I mean yeah. it more liturgically for right. us. Um, and then we get repent or forgiveness because we've done that thing. And I wonder if politically what we're seeing is the same thing that we've been talking about on this pad- podcast for a while of how We've actually conditioned ourselves to be people who don't like the gospel, who prefer the law because the law is comfortable. It tells us that we can do it. It tells us that we earn it, deserve it. This is all Martin Luther stuff. And the gospel tells us, uh, no, actually you don't have to worry about any of that because Jesus has that taken care of. What you need to be worried about, not for your own sake, but for the sake of others is telling people about Jesus, through your words and through your actions and taking care of people. And that one is, again, as we've been talking about a lot, is a lot more difficult, a lot more difficult than the first one. Because the first yeah. one, well, we're, we're kind of geared towards that. I don't know. That's just a thought well, that I had.
1: I don't think I disagree with that. I think even though I've never operated under the law and gospel framework, I think Christians in general are much more comfortable with the law than the gospel. (laughs) However you define those things, right? Um, I think there's, uh, I think there's something else to it. And I think, I think a lot of it is also just as simple as fear, right? So, remember, we've been taught our whole lives that the evil secular progressives are out to destroy the church, put us in concentration camps. If you're from the world I grew up in, you know, the tribulation is going to happen and we're going to be forced to deny Jesus and, you know, all of that horrible agenda and they're ruining the family and on and on and on. Right. (sighs) And because I mean, there's plenty more, even to the point of now with this bonkers QAnon bullshit of like people thinking that these prominent liberals are members of some Satan worshiping child abusing global cabal, right? Uh, child, child
0: eating. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. it's
1: just like, what planet are we on? But I think <laughs> all of that has created this fear in a lot of conservative people. Part of the reason they're conservative is because they don't want things to change, right? Because yeah. the way things were, at least as they envisioned that, were um was good and they don't want things to change because it was good for them. I mean right. that's a that's a normal thing for humans to think, right? Things are good for me. Why would I want something to change? Um yes that's selfish, but I don't know that it's always realized or intended that way.
0: Unavoidable. It's gonna happen. We all do it. But I
1: think the reason that You see people going through these theological and mental and political gymnastics to justify these reprehensible things and why someone as deeply flawed as Donald Trump has uh, struck a chord with people like that is because he came along and said that he was going to protect them. Because he came along and pretended to be strong and said that Christians were going to come back to be in power again or however, you know, he doesn't say many things in coherent sentences. But this is what he this is what he and his campaign and his government have used to to get people like this. Right. I mean, even to the point now where he's going around saying if Joe Biden wins, there's not going to be Christmas anymore. I mean, I don't really get it. But but this idea, what I'm trying to say is (laughs) this movement. Culminating in this person in this movement has told these people things were how they were and they were good for you, and we're going to make it that way again. Right. What does make America great again? Saying other than we're going to make it like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, the I'm not my point here is not to pull apart republicanism as much as to say, I really think a lot of this has happened because we've given into fear and. So when someone or some group comes along and says, I'm going to protect you, or, oh, yes, please, I want that. And then we get so used to that feeling that we're willing to just ignore central parts of the gospel, which tells us, by the way, that we shouldn't expect to be protected or live a safe life and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's true. So we've got like a culture of... In a Lutheran perspective, the law focus, we've got a culture of fear. I think the third big one that kind of explains it for me, and it's something that's new to me, it's been discovered on this podcast in my conversations with you, it's that Christians have identified themselves as um, culture warriors. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is how in my lifetime... At least politically, right? It could be otherwise in everyday life. Um, but politically, seeing themselves as culture warriors, which brings a whole slew of interesting things. Like, why do people get so upset with social justice warriors? Well, because <laughs> they're not doing it right. You're doing the same thing. You're just a culture warrior. Yeah, but they're
1: doing the bad things. I know, yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. But the irony of people getting upset at people doing the same thing, like getting upset at liberals for using political power to get their aims. Where I know, right? nothing like, but that. This, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah, You had Republicans outright saying, I don't care what I said four years ago, we're going to elect a right. new person to the Supreme court. Right. Mm-hmm. So
1: what a doozy they picked too.
0: Yeah. But I just mean like we've, uh, we've identified so much of our, heritage in these last 30 years around culture, cultural mo- moments, cultural movements, cultural battles, that it does make kind of sense that um, we get to this place where we're like, okay, um, yes, with the fear, yes, with the focus on the law, but also we feel better Voting for someone, and this is where that single issue thing comes up, right? I feel better voting for Trump if I know he's going to do all this stuff for abortion. I don't care if he destroys the world for everyone else, but he's making abortion illegal through the choices that he is making, and therefore I feel good about it because I've bought into this myth as an American that Christianity is about my cultural representation. And uh, the fighting of a cultural morality,
1: and that you know people all need to live the my morals because mine are the right, right ones, well, yeah. because
0: mine are God's, or, because mine come from yeah. the Bible or whatever
1: right. it is, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, there was something else I was going to say. What was it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're a genius. I love everything you're saying,
1: yes, Nate, you've inspired me. um, oh. I don't think I'm beating a dead horse here, but I just, I think about in the early church in the Roman empire, when they, there were times when they actually were persecuted, right? I don't remember which emperor it was, whichever one has probably happened more than once, but (laughs) but, uh, where they had to, like, they said, yeah, you can be Christians, but you also have to sacrifice to the emperor, right? And people wouldn't do it. Christians wouldn't do it and they'd get killed and all this kind of stuff for it. And I just find it striking that what the Christians did was not form armies. They didn't, I don't imagine they could have elected senators in the republic, but I'm just saying like they they didn't do any of that. They just stood for what was right in terms of their beliefs and let God sort it out for them. You know, I mean, that's probably overly simplistic. And if my roommate were here, who's a history PhD guy, he'd probably tell me a lot more details. But my point is, like, in places where this kind of narrative that they talk about happening here has actually happened, what you see a lot of or like, you know, I don't know what it's like today, but especially before you know Christians in China who were being put in prison and tortured and all this stuff yeah, right and you didn't see them form ways to um try and overthrow the the ruling party right like i guess i just see like and i'm sure there's a lot to what we've been talking about of why that is but it's like like they were able to do this well, why is it that we struggle with it so much well i think it's because of what we've been talking about but yeah um
0: but also it's not quite oppression, right? And so that makes it even like right. harder to but get your mind around. But I'm saying
1: even if it was everything they say it was, it's not. But even if right. it were, it's like, okay, but look at what other Christians have done in just as much just the same and worse, much worse circumstances. Right. You yeah. Know? But of course, yeah. they're not Americans, so what do they know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, this is probably the least formed discussion we've had. And I kind of like it. I like doing it this way because we're not really getting anywhere. It's actually more like how we're living on the frontier rather than how we got to the frontier. Um, and this is really challenging, especially as we come up uh, to the election. Uh, I live in a state where I've already voted. Uh, Ryan lives in a state where He can't, he has to wait until election day and um, you know, it's going to be a different kind of election than we have had in recent memory. I I think I've heard that so much in my lifetime for every, every single one was that right. But I mean, I just gotta say, I think that's really true. It's not that it's different in terms of, Oh, uh, in the pedantic sense, right? Like everything's different because that's how time works type thing. But this is like different in that, especially when it comes to Christianity, Christians are voting in a certain way that one of my friends says, there's going to be a reckoning within Christianity. I mean, there
1: already is, right? You see people our age, abandoning the church in droves. Yes. And, um, why wouldn't they? Right. Right. Especially
0: and, evangelicalism? Yeah, right?
1: I mean, I'm far from the the first. I mean, there were other things involved for my life, too, but I am far from the first person to be like, "I'm sorry, but I don't see Jesus in this world very much." yeah. You know? And um you can they can certainly do whatever they want in terms of whichever way they go on that, the uh, evangelical world, I mean. But your friend is right. It's not been unnoticed, right? And, right. Yeah. Eventually, the older people you have, which are the majorities of a lot of these churches, they're going to die, okay? So I don't know what happens then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's not gone unnoticed.
0: It has not, and it will not. It will not go unnoticed what happens. As you're listening to this, uh, I'll be editing this tonight, and it will be there for you tomorrow. And then the next day, it will be Election Day. We will come back to you next week, and we will give our preliminary thoughts. Just kind of like, reflections, yeah. Yeah, just reflections. It'll probably be our most raw and most vulnerable. You'll kind of get a sense of who we are politically. Especially depending on which way it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but our hope is to really look at what's been going on over the last four years. We've touched on it here and there. Uh, and podcast after podcast, but we're going to do so explicitly. And we're doing that because uh, both Ryan and I are animated to be able to do that. But also, we think that there'd be a really good way for your, uh, well, very practical and real-time way to live in the frontier. We don't have any answers. We have answers that we think are right, but uh, we want to know what that's like living on the frontier in the midst of something we're all going through together. And we want to do that as best as we can next time.
1: And I guess just the last thing I would say for today is vote for whoever you want. Cause I, this kind of thing, isn't really intended to change your party affiliation or political minds. I don't even know how effective that is, even if that was our goal,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: But I would just ask every Christian who listens to this to just like not just take Jesus seriously because that's too glib, but what I, I want, what I mean is like help other people, like look for ways to help others, people who are different than you. And I feel like if we focus on that, some of these other things will sort themselves out, but we've just totally given up on that for any number of reasons. And I'm sorry, but you can't say you're a Christian at least not the Christian that I see described by Jesus and his disciples. Um, if you're not willing to do that kind of thing.
0: Yep. And uh, we're so glad that you listened this week. Please come back next week as we do that more raw and vulnerable podcast. Uh, It'll be exciting and it'll probably be a pain to edit because be like, do I want to keep that in? I I have no idea what I'm going to say, folks. It (laughs) so much depends on things I don't know right now. Yeah. But we do want your feedback. Please let us know at FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail.com. We're in the works of getting a Facebook group or Facebook page up soon. We're hoping to do that by the new year. Uh, It just, it takes more management than originally thought. Uh, So we're going to be doing that soon. I hope that's a way that we can engage with you better by the uh, end of this year, beginning of next year. But please do send us your emails. Let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, We did get a delightful email from Josh. Uh, It was just great. Thank you, because we know you're listening. He called him my day. Yeah. Yeah. You called yourself a super fan, and we're like, wait a second. A friend a of the pod, fan. I think he said. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, we're, like, we're fancy now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for listening, Josh. Thank you, everyone else. Please let us know that you're listening so that we can thank you personally, and uh, we just appreciate being able to walk on this frontier with you. Um, so with that said, remember, it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, why you believe it, or even where you're going in your faith journey your Lord, your friend is with you, Jesus Christ. And so our two random fellas who have a stupid podcast here and there, uh, we're with you on that journey too.
1: And one way or another, it'll be okay. I promise God will work it out for all of us because that's what God does.